Welcome to the Talk Sip. I'm your host, Elisa Bowens Mercado. Every Thursday, I trade in my dance shoes and I spend time with you, the listeners, and we talk arts, culture, music, entertainment, politics, and much, much more. Today, folks, we're going to be talking about the mental health of America. Uh, lots going on. Uh, last week, we had a show. So this is actually a follow-up show. So I have uh, back in my uh, co-pilot seat, I have Irvin Pinsky, uh, attorney at law. Uh, and he also joins me for uh, Politics with Pinsky. And uh, our very special guest today, we have uh, Bill Chalsma, PhD. Um, he's going to kind of like shed some light on um, what he thinks uh, the state of the country is in. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, prison system. We're going to be talking about the NFL. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, we uh, mentioned that last week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the um, shooting in uh, Vegas, um, his his state of mind. Um, but just, it's going to be a very interesting uh, show. Our phone lines are open 203-872-7356. Uh, so please call us um, with your questions um, or your comments. But as a old saying goes, it is five o'clock somewhere. Sit back, relax as we serve you up a tasty mix of talk radio. You're listening to the talk sip. All right. Well, it is another uh, wonderful Thursday and um, it's great to be back. And Irving, welcome back to uh, Politics with uh, Pinsky. Thank you so much. Yes. And uh, Bill Charles, my PhD, welcome to our show. Oh, oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, last week, uh, we got into a, uh, a conversation about things that have been going on uh, in the country. And uh, it's been... Um, I don't know. I said it last week and I'll say it again. There's kind of like this, there's a void in the universe. It's like almost like the psyche. You know, when you say everything is like kind of imbalanced, like the the stars are aligning. Um, it just, it's not aligning for the myself. stars are like, colliding. Yeah. Well, I don't even think, I don't know if they're colliding. I think they're just, I think it's just, uh, the, it's, I can't explain it, but things are not kind of like meshing uh, these days. You turn on the TV, you turn on social media, uh, the, t- the radio, um, you look to the left, look to the right sometimes of your neighbor, and things are just not right. So um, we're glad to have you here to kind of uh, maybe uh, shed some light on what you think uh, is going on uh, in the world uh, today. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. So um, can you give us a little bit of your background? Um, I know that uh, you are Yale Divinity. Love uh, the affiliations with uh, Yale Divinity. Yeah, well, that's correct. But uh, but prior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going all the way back. Yes. I'm just a farm kid (laughs) who uh, almost by accident ended up at the University of Wisconsin Okay. Uh, way back mm-hmm. in the day, a hundred years ago, and uh, little did I know that this is one of the most advanced, uh, demanding, uh, you know, one of the top ten universities in the country. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, well, there I am, and I just, uh, you know, farmer boy, plod on through, and uh, and one thing leads to another. So basically, uh, there's a whole huge middle section there. Mm-hmm. Where, where I I can a, a be aptly described as a academic bum. <laughs> now, about uh, twenty, oh, going on thirty years ago, I started. Uh, I shifted gears. I started uh, working on my uh, psychology degree, mm-hmm. and uh, so that kind of takes us up closer to the present. Right. So psychology. That's always so fascinating because uh, I was at Northeastern, and you get into these classes. And you have no idea how the brain functions or can possibly work. Um, there's so many different facets of the psych, the mind, um, but the class has really enlightened me on. There is a larger portion of when you get into that brain, you really get into it. Um, there's all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> well, well, that's putting it mildly. I know. Yeah, that's that's my summary. <laughs> <laughs> so you and so so Wisconsin, yeah, and uh, you uh, graduated uh, with your BA. 
That's correct. correct. That's correct. Yes. And then you still farm. Well, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I went into the humanities and, uh, got mm-hmm. a, you know, PhD in humanities and, uh, then, as I say, I uh, drifted around academic bum for a while, and oh, for a while, fifteen years. And, oh, that's a long while. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, you know, then finally decided to get truly serious. So I uh, enrolled at the uh, Antioch New England Graduate School and got a <clears throat> PhD in psychology. Wow. Yeah. Now, can you please explain to our listeners um, the a PhD in humanities? Um, when you when you say the word humanity, it's just it brings out good humanity, mankind, human nature. But wow, when you get a PhD in humanities, that's uh, what tell the layman that that are might be listening out there. How do you get a PhD in humanity, and what does that well, entail? Well, for about uh, four or five years, you work your butt off. Okay, and, right. and in my case. I, uh, my first uh, uh, big degree, PhD, was in uh, Russian studies. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But again, uh, that sort of uh, drifted down, and uh, uh, there wasn't so much uh, emphasis on it, and uh, <clears throat> I never really learned the uh, meaning of the word tenure. Okay, but that's when you learned. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I become a freelancer. Okay. And what can you tell us about, uh, you said you studied Russia uh, for some time. Yeah. Um, and is it, should our president be real, like, chummy, chummy and buddy, buddy with uh, Russia? Just from your studies. I mean, you have a PhD in this, so I'm going to, uh, I think I, I will probably take what you tell me, um, you know, seriously. Well, uh, well uh, you know, I can't shed any light on that actually, but it it mm-hmm. is it is uh, uh, close. It's something like bizarre that the president of the United States would be like uh, in love with the, uh, <laughs> the Vladimir president. Putin. Yeah, yeah. No, we're all kind of perplexed there. But um, so after uh, Wisconsin, you said uh, fifteen years. You kind of drifted around, drifted around, um, and. Uh, in your words, you said you were just like uh, you just the a bum of just. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the polite word would be freelancer. Freelancer, <laughs> yes. Um, and so that led you to. Uh, did that lead you to Connecticut? Well, uh, or your travels were more. I could no, no, no. It, it, it. Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't really know you wanted to get so much into my history. Of but course, we do. It's not that fascinating. But in any case, I think at it's some fascinating. Point, at some point, I figured out that I really needed to do something. So okay. I <clears throat> enrolled uh, in the uh, Yale Divinity School, mm-hmm. and uh, subsequently got a degree, a Master's of Divinity. Wow. So watch out. I am a master of divinity. You are a master of divinity. (laughs) This is great. I love to have a guest on who, you know, he's running through PhDs. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. And he lived in Russia, too. He didn't get to that. (laughs) Well, Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly true. You told me. And, yeah, uh, that was an amazing period of my life because... uh, living in and out of the Soviet Union over several years, mm-hmm. um, I, I just was very close with some really, really uh, uh, amazing, amazing people. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and we're going to get back to, because that's that's a whole nother show in itself, uh, living in Russia. Uh, but so, Yale Divinity, yeah. so you study there, you get your, um, you get your master's. Yes. And then... Then where did that lead you? How did that segue well, you into? I I think it was always it was always part of my thinking. I think to uh, uh, you know be try to be helpful to people that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. this all kind of eventually evolved into a sense that well, I really need to uh, I really need to get into psychology. Okay, <clears throat> because you probably saw stuff or experienced things. Um, where and you probably at that point wanted to dive uh, a little deeper 
Mm, or yeah. dig a little yeah, dig yeah. a little deeper. Yeah. Yes, you can say that, yeah. So after um, Yale Divinity, did you take on any projects or did you take on, what did you, what was your purpose? And okay. what, what were you driving towards? Well, um, in, uh, I had the great uh, good fortune to do an internship, uh, which is one solid year mm-hmm. at, at the um, <clears throat> uh, West Haven VA Hospital, primarily in the PTSD unit. Wow! So uh, I, um, you know, I had I had this this really uh, inst- intensive time there to work with the. Uh, uh, Vietnam veterans with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, and uh, we we hear that uh, a lot now. PTSD, and it's real. And so you one-on-one would see survivors uh, that would come back um, after you know serving and uh, get probably firsthand accounts on um, how traumatic that was. Can you just? Uh, let our listeners know PTSD. That's a, that is a real thing. Can you give us some of the diag, you know, diagnoses or what you have seen, um, or share some <clears throat> stories? Well, many pe- you know many people encounter traumatic events. Right. Doesn't have to be just coming back from a well, war. It could be an auto accident, a, mm-hmm. a, a fire, a, and so on. So. Uh, we no one really knows. Uh, they're certainly working on this, but no one really knows why some people uh, can be de- described as more uh, resilient and and able to uh, metabolize this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But for other people, it just becomes a nightmare, right? Uh, figuratively and uh, literally. So these um, these. Uh, Traumatic tapes keep spinning through the person's head, and mm. and uh, that then is very debilitating. It's hard to keep a job. It's hard mm. to keep a relationship, and mm-hmm. uh, and so it goes. Right. So if anyone uh, has suffered a traumatic, um, something in their lives, something traumatic in their lives, and you like you said, it keeps replaying and replaying. There's there's this, there's things, what, what's, what do you do? Or what would you say? Uh, do you medicate? Do you do uh, counseling? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things for f- folks, if they're out there and they're suffering from this, right. what would you uh, suggest? Well, um, <clears throat> uh, there have been numerous studies along these lines. And uh, it turns out that, uh, it, you know, everyone's different. So everyone needs his or her own treatment plan. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but in general, it's some combination uh, of uh, medications and uh, therapy, group and individual therapy, mm-hmm. and and it's a long haul. It's a long haul. If if an individual yeah. has truly has a a con- post traumatic condition, uh, it's not something that can be resolved uh, o- overnight or in, right. in, in the first year, or the second, or the third. But uh, it is possible to. Uh, overcome these things or, or to internalize them in, in, a, in a way that uh, makes it, hmm, well, if well, not all right, it makes it, tol- uh, it, it, it can actually lend depth to someone or, or mm. great, greater understanding. But, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, it, it, yeah, because there's some traumatic events that go on. You know, I think I, we could pull up, a, you know, a couple, uh, Las Vegas, you know, for instance, um, that was, you know, we don't want to, we definitely don't want to do a, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder be, with that. I think that was just someone that got angry. Um, they're still diving into it, but no signs, no symptoms. Is that normal to see something like no signs, no, um, he wasn't acting out. He wasn't, you know, in his local grocery store the week before, like yelling and screaming and, and yielding a knife and yielding, you know, an AK-47. And then, you know, they go, oh, that's the guy. We kind of think it's what, you know, can you wrap your head around, um, you know, segueing into what you think might have happened uh, with the Vegas shooter? Hmm. Well, 
I I have to say I can't wrap my head around it actually, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, the human mind or the human brain just keeps miss uh, you know uh, totally uh, surprising us at every turn, and 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 I I su- it it may be that no one will ever truly have a legitimate uh, hypothesis about this, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have something yeah. to say about that. You know, I heard recently that they they took his brain and they scanned it after he was dead, which implies that he didn't shoot himself in the head. Right. Okay. okay. Which the football players do. They shoot themselves in the chest so that they can study their brains later mm-hmm. for science, for humanity down the road. So let's say this fellow's brain was not shot, uh, shot up. Now what happens is they take the brain. This is my guessing, but I have some experience. Is they take the brain and they put it through CAT scans and MRIs. And they see many structures. Now, from what I hear at this early point is they don't see any any trauma there that of note. They don't see lesions and stuff like that. And I don't know how many intense studies they did. But this is the first first impressions. So then you say, well, maybe. And it just his- happened. So right. I'm sure first. that they haven't dived into this at, at uh, maybe just with an MRI, maybe. Agreed. Agreed. So what happens is. In the beginning, you don't know, but then the brain is so full of complex neural pathways and interconnecting loops mm-hmm. and things like that, that they're going to look at each one as best they can and see which ones aren't lined up right, if there is such a thing. And that may or may not tell us more. But there's so, when I spoke to a neuro, neurologist about the brain, and he, he said to me, he rolled his eyes and he said, there's so much more there than we know, I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a new frontier, right? right? Exactly. And but, that's why we can't know for sure, but they'll study his brain more. But you know what? But I think we are all walking around kind of, you know, going through life. You know, every day is not a good day, maybe, but we, whatever's going on in our brain, it's kind of lining up. It's not going to the way left. It's not going to the way right. And now we're not getting up and having road rage and, I mean, Maybe, but, you know, (laughs) it's not going to be, you know, where we go out and take out 60 people and injure 600. Right. So, so there is, there's a disconnect. Um, There's an absolute disconnect. So they could scan his brain all they want to. Um, I think he lived a pretty normal, whatever normal is. He, he, he lived, he had no prior convictions. Um, He had properties he was a gambler he spent money he had a uh he was in a relationship um he he he, well we're gonna find out a little bit more maybe when the doctor who was writing him prescription for valium when those notes come out i know this to a pretty good certainty that he was seeing a doctor and the doctor was writing prescriptions for valium and probably they also say he drank a lot Three booths so at the those, hotel. So can so and let let me go over to the doctor. What if someone is taking like Valium and then they're mixing it with other drugs and alcohol? What is because some folks just listening they go, oh, I can pop a pill and go out and have a glass of wine. What's your experience with folks that uh, dually medicate? Well, it's it's incredibly common. In in uh, in a lot of areas, uh, mm-hmm. including correct the correctional setting, and uh, then uh, you know, as Irving was saying, the the, the the or as he was quoting this uh, colleague of his, it, mm-hmm. it, there's so much going on there in the brain that that actually uh, we're only just scratching the surface, surface yeah. of it, yeah. Um, when you, you know, Val, we were just saying, you know, he was prescribed, you know, Valium. So that can maybe hint that he had some type of anxiety, right? Um, depression. Um, well, you you would have to assume anxiety because that's it's an anxiolytic, an, an anxiety medication. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so we could kind of. Uh, that's probably a fact that he suffered from, <clears throat> like you said anxiety and needed to keep it under control. And I'm a big believer that some people who get a prescription from one doctor for Valium are actually getting a prescription from some other doctors for other things. And they're not telling each other because this man had cash coming out of his ears. So he could probably buy uh, whatever he And we wouldn't know about that yet. 
So mm-hmm. there's still so many mysteries involved. But when we talk about the brain being normal, we I, I know what a brain looks like, and it's a big mess of gooey little wiring. So <laughs> wiring you can't even see it. All right? My friend went to medical school 50 years ago. He's older than me, he's, and he's a local doctor, very well known. And he says that when he was in medical school, his professor took a human brain and put it inside a skull and shook it hard, left to right, up and down, mm-hmm. and then showed everybody the mush that he had just created. And he said, that, my friends, is a boxing brain. <laughs> and he said, that's what happens. And everybody said, wow, I'm not going to let my kid be a b- boxer. So so this fellow may not have had that many traumas, but if you're born with one single like neuron or one single synapse that starts to go into a killing mode that we don't even know about yet, you can't see it. But yeah, it's and there. that's highly unlikely that that happened in this instant. And bang. beyond unlikely that this happened. No, Why? this is it's 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 called it's called medication. It's called I just went crazy, and he thought he could. He probably because I think he thought he had an escape route, and I think he thought he was going to be able to get away uh, with what he had just done. The you Wouldn't know atrocity of that. I just don't think it was. Um, there was no, there was not a lot leading up to um, what you know what he did. There was just no really not a lot of you know indication. Um, so that's why I'm saying as a you know psych a person that has studied uh, psych is that just you know is that normal for you know no indication no really you know you know some people say okay and because then we're going to segue because we know that you worked at um a uh correctional facility correct um and so we'll talk about maybe inmates and people that are uh inside the criminal justice system and patterns that you see um and then rehabilitation after but it's just you know the vegas uh shooter is just um I just think, you know, someone that just went a little off. It's aberrant on such a large scale because he got so many people. And that's, that makes, but we, we don't know yet. We just, I we don't, don't we don't we have know. enough. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to take a uh, quick break and we're going to come back um, and we are going to continue this conversation. Remember the phone lines are open 203-872-7356. Call us with your questions or comments. Thank you.
welcome back to the Talk Sip. Don't forget, every Thursday, I trade in my dance shoes and we talk music, culture, politics. Uh, today, we're talking brain uh, injuries and we are uh, thrilled to have uh, Dr. Bill Chalsma with us, uh, master's, PhDs. Um, so he, um, good to have you to uh, engage with us in this conversation. Uh, so before we uh, went to break, we were talking about Vegas and you wanted to, you had a follow up. Well, yes, the only, but, one thing that occurred to me with regard to Las Vegas was the, um, Mm-hmm. Was this a tragic incident in, uh, uh, well, maybe it wasn't actually Germany, but it was a German aircraft. About okay. Three, four, five years ago, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> one of the pilots l- left the cabin to, you know, chat with the uh, passengers or for whatever reason. And, mm-hmm. and there, there are these new uh, locking doors that you simply cannot break down. Right, and and this gentleman, uh, who uh, who knows why, uh, he uh, he put the plane in a, in a descent and and flew it into uh, the side of a mountain. I heard, yes. and killed all the passengers. Saw that. Yeah. So yeah. There again, there was no explanation. Furthermore, uh, pilots are screen commercial pilots are screened, screened. deeply and intensively. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he, there you are. It's another case where uh, so far there's Why? not particularly, no particular yeah. uh, uh, sense that this was uh, a mental illness. Right. Like there was that. no signs. There exactly. Were, exactly. Because you would hope that uh, the airlines um, would have tracked that or caught that um, with their screening. Yes. So that is another case of uh, someone just, you know, going... Kind of like, like you said, something clicks off, yep. something uh, clicks on. Um, and we were talking, uh, continuing with Vegas, um, you know, there's lawsuits coming out. Um, lots, I think Irving had a, a couple of um, updates on that. Yeah, um, a bunch of people have sued uh, the uh, Mandalay Bay Hotel and their and the concert promoters who are basically linked legally. So it's mm-hmm. not some couple of strangers. And they're suing the people who made something called the bump stock that turned that rifle, which is a fairly regular rifle, into a machine gun. You all heard it firing like like a machine yeah. gun. And, For and, 11 minutes. Right. And one of the young kids who's a friend, a son of my my friend, she, he said, my son said that what are they going to do, start suing the people who sell matches later? And I say, hell yeah, if you sell them to, a, to, a, to, a, to an arsonist, then you should be sued if you know you're sell, selling them to an arsonist. But... This is different. I asked them, do you want your high school to have every person there with a machine gun of their own? No, the Second Amendment doesn't want you to sit around school on a Monday morning where everybody had their heart broken or got seduced and drunk, and then, bang, you all have machine guns? Not going to work very long, believe me. So anyway, so the thing is there has to be limits for society. So they're suing the company that made the bump stock, which is a machine that, which is a device that turns a regular rifle into a into machine a killing gun. machine, yeah. which, which and we saw that um, with this massacre. It's an interesting lawsuit, and there's some legal defenses they have, but we don't know what's going to happen. Then on top of that, they're also suing the person who did the shooting because he had significant assets, mm-hmm. assets, and uh, a couple of other people. But it's still too early to tell who's going to win. But the damages in this case are so far up in the hundreds of millions or billions. <clears throat> that that is going to be interesting to see whether or not the insurance companies throw in their policies and say, "Here, take the money." Yeah, and I think, but and you know, and even with that, another issue, it's just getting down to what is in someone's mind, right? Um, but Stephen Wynn, who's one of the greatest gambling empire runners of the whole time, oh, when, yes. the super giant money guy, much bigger than Donald Trump. All right, mm-hmm. Stephen Wynn said that wouldn't happen in my hotel. So you say, why wouldn't it happen? He said, because in my hotel, they have a rule that when you put a do not disturb thing on your door, we check it anyway after 12 hours. We're not waiting to let somebody build an arsenal and turn it into a shooting platform. So we go in there after 12 hours and we break it up. Now, that's interesting because in theory, he could have done it within 12 hours. He could have set it up and had the guns there. 
Well, but, I think there's a lot of afterthought for that because, I mean, when people are on vacation, sometimes people just don't want to be disturbed for 12 hours or what have you. But they still go in, and Stephen Wynn's place, they go in. And the red flags were how much he was drinking. We don't know yet, but he gets free liquor to a large extent because he's a comp guy. So maybe he was well, drinking listen, no a one's, lot. No one is going to, if you're dropping a million dollars at someone's casino every night, they are not going to, uh, at, uh, they're absolutely, unless you're falling out, passing out drunk, um, on the floor, as long as your chips or your poker or whatever you're playing, as long as your chips are on the table and you're coherent to that, they're not going to care how much liquor you drink at their hotel. Right, but legally, and you're staying and you're not you're not driving. But legally, there are limits as to how much society is going to allow them to get to get drunk when they have guns around. Nobody I know wants guys who are drinking like crazy to have guns. I mean, you know, somebody might, but we all know yeah. in our heart of hearts that we don't want a school full of a college where everybody drinks on a Saturday night for everybody to have guns. Yeah. Sounds like bad luck for the innocent kids. Yeah, no, That's we have to come position. to it. We have to have come to a, a happy medium. So we just pray for everybody in Vegas. We say that on yes, every single you. one of these shows. Um, and like you said, we will just, there's more information coming about the shooter uh, daily and weekly. Um, but I think there's just a lot more that, you know, has to be said about um, the climate in the country and what people are feeling. People are, are tense. Um, last week, uh, we had a very interesting conversation and uh, Irving and I debate this every week. Aaron Hernandez, who is a, um, who was um, a NFL superstar uh, turned, I call uh, him a th- call turned kind of thug uh, and a murderer um, then committed suicide. Um, and we have a debate about the brain and this fo- football Irving says that football caused him to commit these, uh, these, these murders. And I just say that's malarkey. I think it's the <laughs> most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Do football players get injured and get concussions? Absolutely. Um, but you have to, uh, he's, he should have owned up to the fact that he, he went, he was um, talented, a talented young kid, a good kid, um, got into football and then uh, got, you know, together with the wrong crowd. And that is what was the downfall of Aaron Hernandez and not some brain kind of, you know, shake it up and concussions. Um, I just don't think that happened. So Irving, I'll let you say your piece and then we're going to turn it over to the doctor so he can give us his um his. Thank you so much. It wasn't just <laughs> it wasn't just the fact that there were concussions. It was the fact that after he was dead, he left his brain to the medical center so they could study it because he knew it was wrong. After he was dead, they looked at his brain and they said that it was the worst brain damage CTE, which is the brain damage you get from football, of somebody that age they had ever seen. This guy had a lot of his brain that had been destroyed from getting hit in the head by the strongest people in the world. The NFL, those are the strongest hitters in the world. So, so that damaged his brain in points where arguably, I'm not saying to a certainty, mm-hmm. but arguably, it's very important to find out whether or not those missing parts of the brain and misaligned parts of the brain caused him to go off and become this homicidal killer. But there is some evidence that he was a very, very good kid until he was 12 or 13 years old. So, And where was he at, he, where was he at when he was 12 he, and 13 years old? He used to go to Coach Oriema's house. Gene Oriem is one of the most respected people in Connecticut. He just offered to play coach for mm-hmm. nothing, for $2 million. He offered to give it back to UConn because he thinks the state's in trouble. He, he's a phenomenal high school coach, and when his little boy was playing basketball, AAU, Aaron was on his team because Aaron was a great athlete in anything. Mm-hmm. So, so they used to come over the house, and they traveled the country together. So when Gino found out that he had died— he said, my wife was crying. And I said, why are you crying? She said, Aaron just killed himself. And he said, I was so hurt because that was a good boy. When we traveled the country, he used to come to my home and he was a good boy. He didn't say what happened. He didn't know. He didn't go into that. I'm saying mm-hmm. that when a good boy goes that bad and he has brain damage, I say, let's look you and go say. Blame it on. I the- say, study it. Okay. So, so can, can someone, I mean, there's a million people in the NFL. Um, I'm exaggerating, but there's associated with the NFL. There are, what was he a wide receiver? Or he just, I I think he was a, he was a tight end. He was a tight end. And there's how many, how many tight ends get hit all the time for 
more i don't know how long aaron hernandez was in the um well he did he didn't get hit i mean he wasn't a defensive person he was on the offensive side of tight end a tight end takes a lot of the impact because they 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 block for the quarterback mm-hmm. and they also go out and receive you know our receivers in the right. passing so, game so they're doing so, dual he he's a he was a dual player but he was a fantastic player so yeah. he was one of these kids and you know we we talk about it's kind of a stigma a good mm-hmm. stigma but it's a bad stigma right because he was one of these kids who could take a shot and keep and shake, going, kind of shake it off shake it off and keep going but he was taking a lot of shots he wasn't like he was like he wasn't a normal kid that just would go down. Right. He would take shot after shot and keep going. It's like he would get tased and like nothing would phase him. And it wasn't just in the pros. He took a lot of hits in college. Have you ever been hit by a college football player? I haven't, but I know oh, they geez. would break me in half. Just break <laughs> me right in half. And even high school football players, when he played in high school, he was up against the toughest kids in that town. And they don't just get hit from in front, they get hit from the side, from in back. They get their head slammed into the ground, and sometimes they get hit by two of the toughest guys in town at the same time. So the brain is only two, two or three pounds of goo, and when it gets hit a lot, things happen to it, and it's never the same, never the same, because it just doesn't repair itself from a hit by the strongest guys in the world, oh. my humble opinion. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let me, uh, I, 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 I know very little about uh, the NFL, but... I can tell you a few things about mm-hmm. the brain, right? And uh, you know, up and through your teens, age twenty, twenty one, twenty three, twenty four, your your brain is still coming together, still developing. It's neuroplastic. There's there's new stuff going on, mm-hmm. and uh, and to me, it, it's simply outrageous, outrageous that. Anyone uh, uh, under age eighteen should be engaged in uh, contact sports. It, it, it's like really. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I mean a lot of these a lot of the football players have have said you know uh, I remember one of them and I can't remember who it was mm-hmm. but certainly well known guy and he said my grandchildren will my grand grandsons will never play football. Harry Carson. Here, thank you. Really? Oh, because they just said that it was not worth taking the risk of. So what would you say to, to, to parents? And I mean, all of these little league football. I know my dad was a you know little league, you know, b- bitty basketball. I mean, you, you name different. it. Yeah, but football. I mean, he was a coach for, you know, and there's guys still walking around that are just they're they're fine. You know, families, their kids are now playing football. But you're saying that it's that much of a risk. Um, for learning or not progressing yeah. or in... Yeah, one of my sons-in-law is a uh, rabid football fan and uh, mm. he has, he and his wife, my, da- my, sister, uh, my daughter, he, mm-hmm. they have a, a lovely 10-year-old kid and I, I can't imagine that that kid will ever play football. Never. Really? But isn't that what people, like, you know, you aspire, like, you know, you're at home on the couch, it's Sunday or it's Monday, and you're watching football and, um, you know. It's American bloodlust. Yeah, I am really upset with it. Let me explain something. What are we watching? What are we paying young men to do? To go out and not only get hit, but to hit their friends and break their brains too. It's like when (laughs) I was a kid, they used to do boxing. Right, and look at Muhammad Ali. Did anybody learn anything? No, they love boxing, and now they watch UFC and MMA. It's bloodlust, just like in the Coliseum, and I've been to the Roman Coliseum, and believe me, you think Mm. twice when you're there about the violence that goes on in this world. And it's just like the Coliseum. We, the people, and I don't pay for this stuff. I don't do it anymore. But we, the Mm -hmm. people, go out on a Saturday night. We stand around a ring because we have tickets, and we're all excited, and we watch a couple of guys who barely know each other go out there and hit each other in the head so hard that you know damage is being done. Mm-hmm. For what? A few kicks? Or to move a football two feet or six feet? Let me tell you, that's American bloodlust. And it didn't come from America. It came from way before that. Because America wasn't around when bloodlust became crazy happy. But I don't. I can't imagine a mother saying to her son, go out there and get your brain damaged. Sure. Well, no, there's, there's leagues everywhere. You I know. Cal- calculate how many... It's, my mother would shoot the guy teams, who tried to hit me. I mean, look, I go from hey. go from um, you know P 
Kiwi football up to is the, I mean, the come the on, Pop Warner, the Pop the Warner. There are hundreds of thousands of kids and that play, at and a it's game. hard to get your kid in. So you know these leagues have a lot of people wanting to get their kids in. Yeah, a and, lot and of they're leagues. disappointed when their kids don't get to get. They in. love it, <laughs> and the kids are addicted to it. They are literally but you I, can't get them out of the But league. I think if there was if there the studies are showing that of course brain damage is absolutely you know it's possible but I don't think uh the numbers are that overwhelming that your kid is going to you know stop producing at like 18 years old if you know you're playing football and you take a couple of hits then your life is over I'll give you or a clue. you're not going to have you know I think that it would be interesting to study these high school teams and see how many of these people who are playing fo- football have parents who are medical doctors. Because the medical doctors I know, except for one, say, my kid is not going on that field. I know what happens to the brain. The doctors who are more educated than most of us in a brain, because they, they, they've seen them, they've cut them, everything like that. Even the regular doctors cut them in, in, in medical school. They don't let their kids play. And um, I'm not saying all of them, because like I said, I know one who says, yeah, my kid can play. But the overwhelming majority of doctors say, my kid's not playing football. I want that kid's brain to be the best it can be, not the worst. Well, listen, even playing football or not playing football, your kid can go out and just become like just this real mean human being. And it has nothing to do with football. But just like boxing, that doesn't mean you're going to tell your kid to go and get boxed. Right, but you say no. But I mean, like I said, the joy of parents in, you know, just with their kids with football i like i said until the until there is something that says every person on a team if you're playing football is at a risk of something or you're at a risk of doing what aaron hernandez did which i think was just completely don't blame it on brain injury i just think you was just a bad kid good kid gone gone bad i would say to a statistical certainty a virtual statistical certainty that every kid playing football for four years in high school is at a clear risk of brain damage, clear risk, and that's called that's called um, reckless endangerment of a child. Okay, but then what's long? What's long term? Um, four years of playing football, what can possibly, you know, go it, wrong? It can take. They can die on the football field. That's one thing that happens occasionally. They can come out of a brain damage that cost them their college career. I, I mean, I you know a girl who played soccer who fell down and got kicked. And the kick in her head, which is not rare, but it doesn't happen every day, mm-hmm. she lost 20 points on her, her IQ. And and I believe in soccer. I don't think soccer should be banned because it's so rare that you but get that. kids need to stay active. They need to stay in right. something. I'm sorry. So they have to go back their ha- best friend's brain in because they're on the other team. I say or make arts. love, not or you know, or You know what? Or arts. Bring back, you know, the arts. Arts stop, are great. Stop cutting funding for the arts. Tennis. You've got to uh, keep kids active. Yeah. Got to keep kids active. Well, they're... Yes. Yeah, there are all kinds of healthy, safe uh, alternatives to uh, getting your head uh, knocked about <laughs> okay. in in uh, at a sport. And it, what I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, you're making me hurt. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking. <clears throat> let's say, let's say you have absolutely no idea what football is, and you're just from some other planet, mm-hmm. and, and we take you to a football game, and and you're saying, what, what, what are people doing? What are, this this guy just got hurt. He, they're taking him off the field on a gurney. Yeah. What are you people doing? What, yeah. What are you thinking? Or yeah. What? Well, I mean, like I said, it's a you know America's pastime sport. Um, but but again, I don't think these injury. I think Aaron Hernandez was like isolated, and it is. It really is. They said that he had advanced stages of CTE. Yeah. Um, Three years old. Twenty four years old. Yeah, but I just um. Yep. Well, I don't think that because how many boxers do you know that get banged around more than Aaron Hernandez went out and killed someone? A lot, and they don't. They no, don't. who Muhammad Ali never shot anybody. Muhammad, what happened to Muhammad Ali was as bad as killing himself. He died from it. He didn't die from old age. He died from having getting hit in the head. I know, but he Somebody never killed he, him. But he never went out and killed anyone. He got killed on the box in the boxing. Yeah, thing. but it I'm talking about how many boxers have you read about that have gone out and just taken someone's two people's lives harry have you they don't they don't kill people but plenty of boxes kill commit suicide and how after after retiring so either way they're taking a life yeah if if it's not someone else's it's it's theirs 
they live violent lives, more violent than non-boxers, but they go, they tend to go senile at like 30, 40, 50, and they, they can't chew their food, they have to be taken care of, they have headaches that are from another world. Boxing is not the way for anybody to go. Find mm. a better way to make a living. I don't care if you're making yeah. $15 an hour, just don't go starting getting hit in the head. Protect your head. Yeah. Take your head where it's safe. Right. No, you're right because you're the the brain is a terrible thing to waste, and like you said, you don't want it. It's the whole show uh, being beat up. But like, but we'll we'll say parents that have their kids in any of these uh, contact sports, just do your research, do your homework, come yeah. up with your own, um, uh, you know, your own synopsis of what you think is good for your uh, child Google, at this time. Google, Google Wake Forest Wake Forest Medical School. They did a study on children playing football. They, they prove that they lose a lot of white matter in the brain even when they don't get concussions. Very important. Google, if you can't find it, you can you can email me, irvingpinsky at AOL.com, or on Facebook, send me a private message. I'll send you the links. You can see what the x-rays and the MRI show, how the brain see, disappears. But, but what we got to do is find different avenues for these young people to, yes. be, to be successful. Not just, not just go make $15 an hour that, like you're saying because football is – the golden ticket for a lot of these minorities yes. to get out of the neighborhoods. That's a huge problem. Right. I agree. So and they want to get their grandmothers avenues. and their moms. They want to get them out of the projects. They want to get them out of through college. To, they want to get them through college. Yeah, they want it. They want to help their communities. Yeah. And that's and that's where where they see that that's you're you're absolutely right. That's their golden ticket, and that is sad. We need to let. Kids know that you don't have to, you can be an entrepreneur, you can own a business, uh, you can be an artist, you can do a lot of things in this life and it doesn't have to be your golden uh, ticket. You don't have to die for it or get beat up or get pushed in the head. I think we so can- that's a whole, that's, you know what, and that's, an, that's another, um, uh, that's a whole nother uh, show. We can start by making college free and let's not forget the scandals we have in these colleges where the kids go there, they don't even go to college. They just play football and they break their bones and stuff like that. They don't even get their degree. They get degrees because they didn't even show up in class. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shut up, uh, free college for everyone. I think it was watching a, um, I don't know if it's a real world anymore or if it's like a reality TV show. I don't know what I was watching, but everybody was saying, you know, free college. Yeah, I think it, it makes was, sense. I think it was scandal. Other um, countries do it. Pope. Yeah, they do. Well, you know, our country is where it is right now. Um, so, yeah, no, this is this is a place where it is just, you know, every, <laughs> you know, I'm going to use Irvin's word, lock him up. Lock um, him that's, up. Now, that's becoming an understatement. That's not even going to be, I don't think that's sufficient uh, anymore. The whole lock him up. We're going to have to do something, impeach, replace, uh, and repeal the president. <laughs> and I'm not talking about health care. Make so, him deliver water to Puerto Rico. Every day he has to go and bring water there because he sure as hell isn't sending it. Yeah, well, let me and let me ask you something. As someone who has studied the brain, PTSD, um, and let's not even, I mean, um, we are going to call him, you know, the president. He's just the person that's running this country. Seriously, what's your, if he sat in front of you, of, you know, what you've seen on social media, what would your diagnosis be? Well, um, there's uh, uh, there's recently been some some uh, publications, uh, mm-hmm. at, at least one, uh, maybe in the Atlantic. I uh, Irving might might remember, mm-hmm. but but uh, a number of uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health folks, they have actually undertaken uh, you know a in depth look at and and hypothesis about, hypotheses about mm-hmm. uh, Trump's, you know, mental state. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not a pretty picture. So Right, uh, like Aaron yeah. Hernandez's yeah. brain. And uh, yeah. this is, this is in, in, in contradistinction to what, what's called the Goldwater Rule. Ba- mm. Back in the day when Barry Goldwater was uh, running for president, mm-hmm. uh, it, many people thought he was unhinged uh, and so on, and uh, they decided that uh, uh, he was no. The profession decided that you c- you can't analyze somebody at a distance. That that's called that's known as the Goldwater rule. But 
Now, what the people, what these experts are now saying is, mm-hmm. yeah, we're way beyond that. We, we need to, we need to make a stand. We need to make, uh, to make, a, take a position. And take a, to warn. Wait, and, and take a position and just say that health professionals are saying that he is just not probably stable to uphold the highest position um, in office. And that's just, and those are coming from experts to people that um, study the brain, study psychology. Um, if they're saying that, then, you know, is there any way to enforce that? Yeah, there's the 25th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which says that if you're not able or fit to, to serve, then they can take you out. They don't have to impeach you. That's different than the impeachment process. It, it does exist, and a lot of people are talking about it, and right now there's no chance they're going to use it against him, but as he develops worse and worse, I don't know. The most common analysis I hear from doctors and neurologists and, mm-hmm. uh, is that he, ha- he is a malignant narcissist. Well, that's apparent. That's that's the terminology. That's a, that's apparent. And, that, you, and, and yeah. that can cause us a lot of damage. But right now, he's in there and he's wrecking everything. Incredible. Well, can I mean, can psychologists and psychiatrists and people that have PhDs like yourself can people band together and just say, "Listen, this is not. Good. We are taking. We're looking out for the country. You guys have studied. You've got, gone to school for over twenty years, and you know." So final word, what can, can you band together and just say 25th Amendment, you know, here we come? Well, that that that's not likely to happen because <laughs> uh, these these positions, these perspectives, it count for very, very little. What counts is uh, enough people in Congress and in the Senate to uh, come forward and say enough is enough. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they know he's the- cracked. They know it. Yeah, well, every week, like I said, the saga continues. We're, we're on a hard break here, so we're about to get off. Cut All right, off thank, we want to thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Irvin. Thank you for uh, co-piloting so with me again. We will see you next week. Thank you. Uh,